Welcome to the Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshayim at Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Pakude. Is God a parental model? Did you know the concept of helicopter parent when you were growing up? <laughs> no, I remember the first time I heard that. It was when Jeffrey was getting ready to go off to college. And I was very upset about the dorm he was assigned to. And I thought about calling someone I knew who knew somebody in the housing department. And when I contacted this guy, he said, you know, this is uh, your, your first foray into helicopter parenting. And I thought, uh-oh, that's that's a really <laughs> cutting term. I'd never heard it before. And I thought, you got me. That's exactly what's going on here. I'm getting in the way. I'm hovering when I shouldn't be hovering. So you backed off. No, I still did it. <laughs> of course, come on. I can, hear the, I, yeah, I can hear the helicopter propeller in, in the background here. Yeah, I think we're all pretty guilty of that, exactly, especially in our age. I can tell you for a fact that not only would I have been totally unaware of the concept of a helicopter parent when I was growing up, my parents wouldn't have understood it either. In other words, my far, my parents are about as far from being helicopter parents as yeah, imaginable. My, my parents were submarine parents. <laughs> they were undetectable. <laughs> exactly. I, that's a good, that's a very good term. It's true. I, and I think it's a very powerful idea. And interestingly enough, it is connected. You could, we can connect it to um, a mystical concept that flows out of our toll reading. So that's kind of a big buildup in here. But in our portion of Pekude, Moses and the children of Israel are going to complete the tabernacle, this portable sanctuary. And in the mind of the Israelites, this idea will continue through the building of the temple. The place, the Ark of the Covenant, was seen as God's throne. So the reality is, is that God was seen as actually being present in that place. Not that it would contain God, but God was present in there. And it raised it a, a whole variety of questions in the mind of the psalmist and throughout history. How could God be any place? How could anything hold God? If God's the creator of the heaven and the earth, how could the world hold God? And so the, there was an idea that developed in the mystical tradition that, in a way, God had to withdraw God's self from the creation so the creation could maintain itself, so that it could fulfill itself. Because if God was too present, the creation couldn't bear it and would ultimately explode, actually. It would break apart. And I think that there's a lesson here about parenting, that if you are too present— in the same way that human beings and the creation itself couldn't bear it, wouldn't develop, wouldn't evolve properly, I think that people would not have been able to develop their own free will. And so I think that there's something here about parenting as well, about human relationships. What do you think? Yeah, there's something uh, really true about that. It strikes me, it's really interesting uh, to think about the world with God in it and, you know, ever present. We always like to say God is everywhere, right? Um, but um, could we handle that or could could God handle that, right? Being around us all the time. I wonder <laughs> who would have it worse, who would be more frustrated. Um, right. And it certainly you know, strikes me as true with our kids. It's so hard to accept that. I'm at that point in our lives now where, you know, the kids are really stepping away in a big way for the first time, you know, one, one in college and one, you know, right in the middle of adolescence. And, um, 
making it very clear that they don't need me. And it, it takes a lot of work, you know, self-discipline to remind myself to, to back off and keep my mouth shut sometimes. There's no question. There's no question. How often have you begun a sentence by saying, well, I remember when this happened to me <laughs> and their eyes glazing over or just looking away and saying, I, I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to hear right. it. And that realization, which is a hard realization as a parent, that you can't present something that happened in your own life in, in a way that your children will learn from it and not make the same mistake. That's the hard part, is they're going to make their own mistakes. And the question isn't whether they're going to listen, but how do you withdraw in a way, but still be present? Which is, by the way, this whole mystical idea that God is both withdrawn and present at the same time, but just enough. And you have the power to bring God back into the world when, when needed, but otherwise, you have the instruction from Torah to carry you forward. And so you have to take responsibility for the Torah. You have to apply free will. And it just strikes me as I'm talking that this is so much a part of parenting. You know, you sort of plant the seeds. You try to serve as an example. You lay the foundation. And you hope your kids are going to follow that path. If there's a problem, that they'll call you. But if you're constantly like sitting on their shoulder, then it actually becomes your responsibility and they never learn to become responsible. Yeah, that's a great point. And, um, you know, there's a temptation to feel like, oh, they're done with me. They don't need me anymore. My job is over, you know, as soon as they, they turn 18 or whatever. And in, in, in Lola's case, as soon as they turn 12, like um, making it very clear. But the question is, I guess, you know, how do you stay present? How do you stay besides just being available, right? Is there more that we should be doing um, to to be really present, to be connected without helicoptering, without smothering? That's to me the interesting question in my life, at least. How do you create open communication where kids can feel comfortable talking with you? And when they don't feel comfortable talking with you, that has to be okay too. But somehow finding the balance where they feel respected enough that they're going to take responsibility, but also reach out when needed. As a parent, I mean, that's something that, that, that I struggle with. It's hard for any parent. And I think that's a real challenge for us. Yeah, it's probably different for each kid too, and each parent. So it's this, I don't know that there's a right answer to it, but I do know that we, we've seen it it's certainly in my generation that there's a tendency to smother uh, that wasn't there in an earlier generation. I think that uh, maybe our parents were, were too busy. <laughs> you know, it seemed like they, they were completely oblivious to what, what was going on. And, and in a way, I look back on that fondly, like they trusted me and that sense of trust that they had in me. I didn't appreciate at the time, maybe, but I do now. Well, I think things have changed quite a bit as well. I think that my parents could have gotten away with, or your parents, I don't know that my parents even knew that I was taking the SATs, right? Right. Or that I needed to bring, you know, two pencils with me. That was something I had to figure out for myself. I think I informed them or they had to pay a check or whatever. But it wasn't as though they were looking at scores, that they were on top of this in any meaningful way. And, and I certainly wasn't alone in this. I know I filled out my college application by myself. I don't think I ever showed it to them. I think I showed it to some, a teacher in my school, the uh, guidance counselor, but I didn't go to them. And today, I don't think a parent can do that. I think that 
you know, you, you have to pay attention to college applications in a different way. You have to pay attention to SAT, to, to standard testing scores. And if your kid needs tutoring and how do you do that and where do you get it, right? You got to be sort of a partner in this on some level. And the question is, you know, how do you not become like a, a tiger parent? Or maybe you need to be a tiger parent in this world. And I think that there's a question about that, that, that people are debating, uh, and I'm interested in your thoughts about that. Like, is Simsum really a concept today, or like, or is that just we're over that? No, I think that it's a problem actually that we're, we've we've gone too far in the other direction. We can track our kids 24/7, see where they are, see what they're doing with all of these apps, know who they're calling, know how much time they're spending online, and which sites they're visiting. Um, you know, we're not giving them much in the way of freedom, and I worry that that we're not giving them enough um, opportunity to develop their own thoughts and to, you know, find themselves as people. And, you know, they end up spending too much time in, in our shadows and feeling like they can just turn to us to solve all their problems. Um, you know, I'm reading a wonderful book uh, right now called Barbarian Days. It's a, it's a memoir about a, a guy who grew up um, surfing the world, basically just traveling for years at a time, surfing in the most remote spots he could possibly find and some of the most dangerous spots he could possibly find. And, you know, he goes a year without making any contact with his family. It seems shocking to say that, but it wasn't that unusual for people who traveled the world. Uh, if you went to Europe after college, you know, you could write some letters to your family, but they weren't going to even know what country you were in. Um, from one moment to the next. And those days are so far gone. And I, I just worry that we're going to really put a damper on creativity and just depth of thought and feeling that we end up being too connected to our past and not really um, shaping ourselves independently. I think that there's a lot to what you're saying, except that there's a whole transactional reality out there that's also um, very real. Getting into college matters. Getting into graduate school matters doing well in college matters. And so, you know, this is an ends and means kind of thing. Well, if I get in there, then I'll apply myself, but I've got to get in. And by the way, if I'm not sitting on my kid and if I'm not, you know, helping them in every way possible, the guy next door is, the other parents are doing it. How do you extricate yourself from this kind of tsunami of people and kind of this, this tidal wave and you can't, can you really avoid it? in this larger society where everything has become, you know, a score, a test, a transaction. Where does your kid fit into that, you know, as a person? Yeah, it, it's tricky because I obviously um, succumb to the same pressures as everybody else. Mm -hmm. and uh, But I feel for the kids because the pressure on them is even greater. You know, uh, they're judged all the time based on these arbitrary measures of how many likes they get on their phones and on Instagram and everything else. So I feel like we're guiding them too much. We're not giving them enough distance to really um, explore. I think that the Torah presents such an interesting backdrop to this. Because God creates Adam and Eve with free will. That's the key to understanding what it means to be created in the image of God. And when they exercise free will, which they do, there are risks, there are rewards, and there are punishments for that. And they are punished, and that exile is part of that. As the Torah and then the Hebrew Bible goes on, you see this relationship, which becomes very tense at times. And how do we refer to God? We say, Avinu Malkeinu, God, you are our father and our king. Right? So there's this parenting issue kind of on a theological basis where we see it going right at times and we see it going wrong at times. 
and it's never exactly in balance, never exactly in balance. And I think that that's, in a sense, the paradigm for understanding parenting as well. I think writ large, you see our relationship with God, but, but in a micro level, we see it with ourselves and our kids. It's just an interesting diagram to look at, to understand that even God has trouble with this. It's not easy. Yeah, right. And we have to uh, allow ourselves to uh, watch them fail, to make mistakes, and uh, and not feel like we have to fix everything. That's true, but easier said than done. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just I'm just talking here. I'm not I'm not actually I'm not walking the walk so well. Yeah, right. We're both talking the talk. Yeah, that's right. Well, Jonathan, thank you. Thanks, Rabbi.